and welcome back to Pandemic, the podcast about all the things we've loved in life and in a very difficult year. I'm Lucy Ford. Thanks for coming back. This week, I am so excited to be joined by Kristen Cherico. You probably know her from her videos as part of the Ladylike team at BuzzFeed. And now she has a brand new channel called The Kitchen and John Show on YouTube with fellow Ladylike alum, Jen, that you can check out now too. We're talking all things horny fanfiction and the West Wing, separately, that is, and loving things we know don't really hold up in current times. So please enjoy this chat with Kristen. Kristen, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Uh, Thank you for having me. I mean, it's really nice to be able to do things where I don't have to get dressed. Oh, I know. Most most things. (laughs) I was like, what can I create in this year where I don't actually have to get changed out of my pajamas that I've been wearing for, at this point, 72 hours straight? It turns out all of it is what you can make, (laughs) is all of it. Uh, Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I am starting this out with people by asking them, would you consider yourself to be someone who is generally a fan of things? Do you get, like, kind of obsessed with things? Yes, I I get like a very single-minded focus when it comes to things. Like when I like a thing, I like that thing to its bones and I will like it until I find something else that I like better. Uh, Like I I tend to like be very consumy when it comes to things that I like. And that kind of also includes like people I like too sometimes where it's just like, (laughs) and then it's like, all right, I'm all done now, next thing. Uh, But you know, there are some things that like I kind of return to again and again and again, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, that sort of elude me in terms of like my ability to consume them whole like a python unhinging its jaw uh and i think that like those things the things that like really stick in my bones and like really like you know fuel me during times when i feel like i could use a little bit more fuel okay so i feel like we're very similar in that respect because i've never been able to be a casual fan of anything in my life like when i love Mm -hmm. things I love them and like I need to know everything about it and some things Mm -hmm. burn bright but they don't burn very long. Do you remember what the first thing that you were a really big fan of was? Yes okay so I was thinking about what I was going to pick for this and when I was 12 or 13 uh, is around when Sailor Moon started being aired on network television in the United States. Uh, and this was like the Deke dubs, right? So like, this is like after school, I'm watching this. And the the fascinating thing about this show is that it is a very monster of the week show. Uh, mm-hmm. But it does have like, it does have like a lot of serialization in terms of like what we're going to learn more about this universe, and this character and like uh, these like romances, are they happening? And like, I think I got very like hooked into like the serialization part of it where I was kind of like the monster of the week part I was like all right they're gonna win it's fine it's not a big deal Sailor Moon uh but it was like but who but will Tuxedo Mask and Serena get together or will they not and uh also around this time is when I start being on the internet a lot and there was a a website archive that I think still exists as an archive but not anymore uh called a Sailor Moon Romance and it was this massive, massive archive of just like all Sailor Moon, like romantic fiction, like both Slash and, and Het and stuff like that. And I had never kind of been introduced to the idea that like, A, people could write fan fiction about things. Uh, and B, that people could take like the subtext of a romance that was in a show and then flesh that out into 
a whole world. I became obsessed with this. I read like every single thing. I, like, I like Sailor Moon the show, but I was just like, mm, but I'm really into like Sailor Moon, like the Phantom Chronicles. Um, <laughs> like I remember, <laughs> so one, one, one of them that's like burned into my brain is like, there's, <laughs> This is, so, this is like really horny for like like a child. Oh, really, you are remember, in the right audience because I'm just yeah. like horny queen over here. But like I, there was one that's like burned into my brain. We're like we're like so stupid. We're like tuxedo mask and sail. It's like there's a will there won't they between tuxedo mask and, and Sailor Moon and like they finally have sex and then like after they have sex like a like a giant sword like materializes between them. And Tuxedo Mask is just like, what is this sword? <laughs> and the, the, the thing is told from Tuxedo Mask's perspective. And he is just, and he he's like, Serena like thought about it for a second. And she was like, it's the Moonblade. And I knew this was true because she had always been a little bit clairvoyant. And I was like, what do you mean she'd always been a little bit clairvoyant? Like, this is the first time I'm ever hearing of this. I remember being like, yeah, this is storytelling. People just say things after sex and then they're true. <laughs> This is, is what it, it will be like. <laughs> this is this is what this is what both sex and storytelling will be like. I am ready for both of them. I loved it. I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me ever. Uh, it until, is so you know. fun when you come across like an entire world that you didn't know was there, and yeah. you're like, how did I not know that this existed? <laughs> like this has existed parallel to my life, and I didn't even know. Oh yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was the best. So that was that was me being a teen well, a young teen. That was like the first time I was just like, Am I <laughs> can can being horny and being obsessed with things coexist? And it turns out, yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um did, did that like fade out after a while, like your love of Sailor Moon? It, it, it comes and goes. I think that there are, there are times like as an adult where I'm just like this is fun to like pay attention to for like 20 minutes. Uh, but I think like as a teen, my fandom interests got like deeper and more. Like I, I kind of got like a little bit more into slash fiction because I was like, eh. I mean, like it's interesting to see like the two people that you know are gonna have sex have sex. But like, what about the two people who hate each other? Uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, then I got I mean, inter- enemies to lovers is a superior trope. So <laughs> enemy, and, and, uh, it is yes, enemies to lovers is my favorite. It's and so I was like, what if two people who want to kill each other actually don't? And I kind of that that sort of that hooked into my brain a little bit more mm-hmm. severely. But this was definitely like the entry point. So like the first thing that I really remember being a really big fan of was Lord of the Rings, the films. Oh my um, god, yes. <laughs> Yes! And, like, I am now certain that, like, 75% of it was because of Orlando Bloom, and I just was, like, yeah. so obsessed with this pretty elf boy. Um, but, it, like, now I don't consider myself, like, a Lord of the Rings fan necessarily, but, like, I still feel so fondly about it because I was, like, so consumed at one point in my life. It's like looking at yeah. an old picture of yourself. <laughs> when I see yeah, a picture I mean, of it, I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, he was so hot. And I feel like, actually, Jen and I, uh, Jen Rodriguez and I were talking about this, we're talking about this a lot, that, like, Orlando Bloom in Lord of the Rings very much is, like, a gateway drug for, like, queer women. Because they're just like, well, I, they're like, I like men. I like Orlando Bloom and Lord of the Rings. And it's like, mm, eh, it's, it's. 
<laughs> have you seen that like there's like um that trend on tiktok that it's like she's straight she loves men and it's like the men and it just shows like a slideshow of all these like very like pretty men <laughs> like yeah it's like orlando bloom in, like, in lord of the rings or something like that i remember when it's i met true. orlando bloom i i met him like um like a few years ago and i just i felt like so weird about it because i was like i hadn't really thought about him like since i was maybe like 13 he was like an old boyfriend and i genuinely i was like it felt so important and then i was like oh right this guy doesn't know me at all he's never met me before i felt so familiar with him um but he did look very different he looked like an actual like normal human man not an elf but uh does he strange was he nice he was really nice yeah he's very like london I can't explain it any other way. Like, he's just a bit of a geezer, um, which I kind oh, of enjoy. I, that's right. Because <laughs> how old is he now? He's got to be, like, in his 40s now, right? Yeah, I think so. And his his fandom for me was, like, the first time, like you said, like, being online. And it was, like, such, like, basic analog level, like, fandom sites of, like, it was, like, oh. OrlandoBloom.com or something. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And it was just like really like janky pictures of his tattoos. So it was like, he's got three <laughs> tattoos. <laughs> janky pictures of his tattoos. <laughs> it reminds me of when I was like really into Tom Hardy. And like, this is like right after, it's like t- 10 years ago. And this is like right after he kind of dumped his MySpace. And like, he had, I don't oh, know yeah. if you know about Tom Hardy's MySpace, but it just, Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the like, pictures on Tom Hardy's MySpace. <laughs> so they're like so. They're like really, they're charming because they're like really classic, like MySpace hot boy trying to do the most. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, I, I think back fondly on that time because now I'm kind of like, eh, Tom Hart is fine. But it is really <sighs> funny how those obsessions like really burn, and then you don't feel it anymore, and you're like, wow, what a, what a time. <laughs> it's true. I remember reading on Live Journal a comment. Someone said. <laughs> commented on like a post about tom hardy they were just like i just realized that i'm never going to get to have sex with tom hardy and that made me so unbelievably sad and i remember reading that and being like god me too oh man (laughs) when you first discover the thing that you're obsessed with it feels like falling in love and you're like waiting for people to like tangentially bring it up so you can be like oh yeah like i can talk about this thing now that i'm really enjoying in my free time oh for Um, sure like i definitely am one of those people where like in fact the west wing is like this where when someone mentions to me they like the west wing i'm just like oh really okay i, I kind of like it a little bit too because like i don't really want <laughs> like testing the waters <laughs> i don't want people because it's a it's a show it has problems it's it's incredibly dated it's definitely like a product of its time but like it's definitely a show where like i have lots of opinions about it and like but i'm not going to tell you about those opinions if if yeah if this isn't the thing that you're going to go for. Like, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil, I'm not going to poison the water with my, my dated West Wing takes. If there's like a chance of me being able to sleep with you, that <laughs> might be, might be ruined by those West Wing takes. That's <laughs> how I feel. <laughs> That's perfect. No, there's always like, like, I'm just like kind of a fan of it. Like no big deal. And then yeah. like, I'll get drunk and I'll be like, so I'm obsessed. I know, <laughs> this is yeah. All I care about. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, so that is okay. So we got onto the West Wing. You did DM yes, me quite quickly, and you were like, "Please don't talk about the West Wing." Okay. So, full disclosure, <laughs> I have seen bits of the West Wing. I don't think I've okay. ever seen all of it, okay. and I do remember really enjoying it. I think it was just one of those shows that I picked up. I think it 
wasn't as big of a thing in the UK. Yeah, I mean, that that checks out. That makes sense. (laughs) Which makes sense. It is about US politics. Um, What is it about The West Wing that you like so much? I should say this show, it it is problematic. It does have issues. It is a product of its time. It, it struggles a lot when it comes to things about, like, race and class and, like, homophobia. It's just, like, all, you know, like, lots of able, like, just there's a lot going on there. And it's, like, I recognize that. And it's, for me, it's, like, it does make the show harder to watch as time goes on. But there are also moments that are, like, oh, yes, that kind of, you know, pull me back in. So, um, and I, I think also uh, The West Wing is very much, like, a fantasy show. In the way that, like, you know, we we watch shows about, like, vampires, and it's, like, it's fine. And, like, The West mm-hmm. Wing is also, it's a fantasy show about the way that Democrats perceive themselves in the 90s in America, which, like, kind of has no bearing on reality. But it's still, like, a lot of fun to be like, oh, it's cute that you guys thought that you were, like, so good. I started watching this show in, like, the 90s. My dad loves this show. Loves this show. Still loves this show. It's funny because he loved this show even when he was more of a conservative. He used to call it the left wing, which is like really funny now because it's like it's a very centrist show. <laughs> it's, not like, it's not very leftist show at all. But like, I know it's I also a classic like, dad joke. There, it is. It is classic dad joke. So, and uh, this is also around the time when like shows started being released on DVD. So this is kind of like the mm. advent of binge watching and like it's like most getting analog. to own your favorite show yes yeah. yes because like it, you know because you could own a whole show on vhs but like it would take up so many vhs it's like <laughs> who has the time uh now you could you could you could own a show on dvd and it was like easier to transport you know you could rent it from blockbuster or whatever uh and so like binging things kind of became like more of a thing and my dad loved to watch this show and it was like my dad this is <laughs> we're getting into it now but like uh, my dad, like, doesn't, didn't like to do a lot of things with me that, like, I also like mm. to do. He liked to do a lot of things with me that he liked to do. And this was kind of the only thing where it was like, oh, I can, I can sit through an hour of television <laughs> that, that is really good. And then I, I learned, I, my, I learned I really liked it. Uh, and then I think also my dad talked a lot about how he thought the writing was very clever. And I remember thinking, like, that's not that clever. I could do that. That's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> Like, wow, the, like <laughs> Aaron Sorkin's not that good of a ride. He's, not, he's, not, he's fine. He's like whatever. It's fine. It's, it's, it's very funny. I I feel like it, when I was like eighteen, I was just like Aaron Sorkin's not that good. And then when I was like twenty five, I was like Aaron Sorkin's the greatest person who's ever lived. In terms of we writing. all go through those phases of like not admitting like the thing that's popular and good. Yeah. And popular and good. And, and now now I'm thirty six and I'm just like mm, Aaron Sorkin's not that good. <laughs> so it's like, it all comes full circle. circle. Uh, and i remember being like well i could do that and that's kind of when i started getting really into writing writing um Mm -hmm. is i kind of was like well i could do this like this is in my skill set and so i started writing plays and like and i started writing scripts and then i abandoned that and became a youtuber uh which is a different story but (laughs) uh, and but it's a it's one of those shows where um i i rewatch it every year and it's the only show from like kind of the beginning of my rewatch habit 
that has stood the test of time. Because around okay. that time, the, sh- the shows that I rewatched were shows like South Park and Family Guy, like shows that I, I don't watch anymore because it's like, mm, I, I don't need that. Uh, and, but I used to do that with Family Guy as well, and now I'm like, yeah. oh, why did I do that? <laughs> I know! It's like a very... Well, the, yeah, it, it's very... I, the first three seasons, I wa- I rewatched over and over and over again. Yeah. And now I'm kind of like, eh, this is... I don't, I don't need this. <laughs> this is, I, I've, I've outgrown this. Uh, but I, I keep always coming back to the West Wing. This is sort of the, the first major role for like a lot of people that we know and love. It was uh, Alice and Janney's launching point. Um, queen was, i love her so Alice, much <laughs> Alice and Janney, yes Allison Janney plays cj craig and who is every 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 type a little girl wanted to be cj craig including <laughs> me uh and i remember being like she's so tall i wish i could be that tall because <laughs> i'm like five three uh and uh, she, and like she's so funny and like she's also like it, 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 she's like really feminine but really smart and like doesn't let people like get the best of her, but like doesn't put in a lot of work either. It's like she puts down the patriarchy, but like doesn't exert a lot of like effort into doing it, which like I realize now is like very, you know, self-hating, like <laughs> women who try hard are like, Ugh, who needs them? Uh, and very like, that's, you know, that's one of Sorkin's bad habits. But, um, and I, I think like, you know, this is Bradley Whitford's big show. Um, course like bradley whitford's like a little bit of a dingbat now but like you know we didn't know we didn't really know that at the time <laughs> he didn't there's really a lot you know we've learned a lot about a lot of people in the last <laughs> or so years i know <laughs> bradley i remember the first time i remember seeing bradley whitford show up in get out and being like and i knew bradley whitford was gonna be in the movie and i saw him show up and get out and i remember being like okay here's this guy but like where's bradley whitford and i was like oh that is bradley whitford and i was like oh god like I, I guess time passes. <laughs> uh, he's, yeah, it's, uh, well, he's he's aged he he's aged a lot in a short space of time as well. Like not in like a bad way. He just like looks like an older man now. He's got like he does hair, yeah. Like he's he's got, yeah like, the beard yeah. It, it, it makes sense that he's a weirdo. It's like he has too good of a hairline to like not be a weirdo. It's like it's just not. You I don't think that I don't think you can. <laughs> You have to, I think receding hairline builds character. Bradley Whitford plays a character named Josh Lyman, who for the majority of the show is the, the deputy chief of staff uh, to President Bartlett. And I remember for like several years, I was just like, that's the man I'm going to marry. Like not Bradley Whitford, but like the, the person he plays where it's like, he's complicated, but also he's funny. And also he fights for what's right and it's just like and now i look at this and i'm just like this guy sucks like he would be horrible he's horrible <laughs> in every relationship on the show and he'd be horrible you know in, in in a real life relationship uh there's a in the show there's like a long-standing will there won't they between him and janelle maloney's character donna moss who is his assistant which like at the time i was like oh my god it's so hot when your boss falls in love with you and now i'm like this is really gross <laughs> <laughs> Like you said, that there's like it's like it's fantasy in a way. It's like a lot of um, yes. it's. I was saying this the other day actually. It's like a lot of rom coms. I think I was having a big chat about like Love Actually with with someone, mm-hmm. and like that as well is like to me fantasy because like a lot oh, of the yeah. things in it are. If it happened in real life, it would be so creepy or weird yeah. or just like not okay. But in a film or a TV show, you're like, you know what? Fine. In this yeah, other yeah. reality, this is fine. I'm not going to think about it in normal context. And that is absolutely true. And I think that also I've sort of come full circle on that too. Because I remember as a teen being like, 
this is the hottest thing that's ever happened. And then being like, <laughs> in, my, in, my, in my 20s and being like, this is problematic and I cannot believe this aired on network television for so yeah. many years. And now in my 30s, I'm just like, this is pretty hot. <laughs> it's like, I'm too tired. I'm too tired. I can't like, it's so hard to enjoy so many things if you, if you really get bogged down with it. Uh, like sorry I, I'm in using those circumstances ener- i'm using up too much energy to be horny i don't have the energy to also <laughs> be mad about it oh also uh uh stalker channing plays uh, uh jeb bartlett's wife uh Amazing. abigail bartlett abigail bartlett yes she is beautiful in that show like i, I mean she is like vaseline over the lens soft focus <laughs> heroine uh like she just kind of she I think she's like in her forties or fifties when they filmed that when they filmed it and like she shows up and it's just like <gasps> it's like who is this woman? She's and like why? a movie star level. Like that's how she feels she to me. Is. Like, she is a movie star. star. Yeah. She is like a movie like it's is I think that's what makes the West Wing so effective is that it's a show full of people who are movie stars. Even like, if they weren't at the time, they've gone yes, on to be movie stars. Be and that's stars. probably also why it's still got like such an appeal because mm-hmm. we're now in like an era of prestige telly or like TV where um, mm-hmm. like big Hollywood A-listers are going into TV because it's like the place to be. And so you sort of like mm-hmm. look back at the West Wing, which sort of like made a bunch of A-listers to start with. Um, yes. So it sort of still that's has true. that sheen, like sheen, <laughs> um, <laughs> like, <laughs> literally has a sheen. Um mm-hmm. But yeah, it still has that sort of like prestige about it. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I think that like that, it was, uh, this was kind of during a time when I think that if you were on like a network television show and you had previously been a movie star, it was uh, a step down and not mm. a, a, cre- a creative lateral move. I think that like being a movie star who's in TV now is a little bit like being a movie star who does like an indie film. It's funny because like I, every time I rewatch the West Wing, people who watch the West Wing know that there's like two very distinct eras of the show. There's like the first four seasons of the show when Aaron Sorkin was like in charge of it. And then there's the last three seasons of the show uh, when Aaron Sorkin got like kicked off of it because of his coke problem. Uh, And it's, I, for my, every time I rewatch the West Wing, I'm always just like, you know what? This time it's going to be just good vibes. We're going to turn it off after uh season four and then like season four ends in a cliffhanger and i'm like okay you know what we're gonna turn it off after uh like in the middle of the camp david summit before leo mcgarry has the heart attack and i never do i always rewatch the whole thing from soup to nuts but like you it is a show where like in the middle of the seventh season you're like this isn't i'm not having fun anymore like (laughs) it is so depressing when that happens but also part of it i think is that so I'm, I'm a big rewatcher as well. Like I'll always uh-huh. go back to my comfort favorites. And part yeah. of the reason I will keep going with seasons of television that are bad is because I'm like, oh, but if I stop watching, it means I have to choose something else to watch. And I'm just like, not, <laughs> I'm not yes. in a position to choose right now. Part of the I reason will... I like watching things over and over again, like I will always rewatch Brooklyn Nine-Nine. I will always rewatch like New Girl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, I've seen these episodes a million times, but I don't have the in me to choose another series right now. <laughs> yes. I f- feel this way very strongly. I think that's kind of what happens. It's just like, oh, I don't really, like, I, I realize that we're not having fun anymore, but like, it's, it's like when you're I feel in like the being tub. passive and it's an active thing to choose yeah, something. It's, so. it's like when, it's when, when you're in the tub and like the water isn't like quite hot anymore, but it's like, it's much colder if you get out. Yes, <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> that's exactly it. 
I'm just gonna hang out here for a while. Yeah, it's a it's a because like it through the to give you major spoilers for for a 20 year old show. Uh, one, <laughs> one of one of the one of the major plot lines of the show is that uh, President Bartlett has relapsing remitting MS, uh, okay. and it's a it's a course of MS that um, it, it is. It can have periods of remittance where, like, you you basically live your life normally, and then like there'll be periods where it relapses, where like you are in the throes of an MS attack, and uh, it's you know the the show plays that very much for dramatic effect because like you know it, it's a way to kind of almost ignore this disability sometimes, and then mm-hmm. also pay attention to it very very strongly when it comes time for story to not have Um, to write it into every episode but like know that it's there yeah yes that that's kind of yes that's exactly what it kind of is Mm -hmm. and towards the towards the end uh towards the end of the show it kind of it becomes clear that the relapsing remitting ms is sort of is is uh more relapsing than it is remitting uh and it's kind of like it it sort of becomes like a major 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 plot point uh out of nowhere and like it's kind of like it's it definitely i would love to talk to someone who uh in the disability community about how this is handled because i I don't think i'm the person to talk about this necessarily uh but it it always is a part of the show where it very much like it, it it kind of it makes the the overcoming of the disability like some sort of heroic act, uh, mm-hmm. and when when it's it's kind of like he like even though he was paralyzed from like he, the neck down, he still managed to get the seating chart for the North Korean peace talk summit, and it's like it's a very like romantic. Uh, depiction of like kind of what living with disability is like and I don't, yeah. it's something I've always been fascinated by but yeah it's a that so that part of the show I'm always like eh, this is I don't, I don't know how I feel about this but it, it's a show that like you know I think that like Sorkin shows are very like well known for like their walk and talks and I think that this show is kind of like the walk and talk show uh and that like that's what I know about it even having yes. not seen it very much it's like that's the meme of it for me is the walk and talk yeah, it's a very it's it's a show where like a bunch of people who you just like hanging out with have really interesting conversations and like sometimes they tease each other and sometimes they're mad at each other but most of the time they love each other and it's fine uh, until well I mean until, until the end a lot, a, lot, <laughs> a lot of these a lot of these relationships get like permanently fractured at the end and like people die it's like you know it, it's if if the if the fourth season didn't end on a cliffhanger, I would one hundred percent end end it with. The oh, that's season. such a shame! It's such a shame when a show gets bad and like you love it. This is an interesting point, right? So, part yeah. of this is all about like being a fan in twenty twenty, right? And I've been having loads yes. of conversations with people who um like just yeah. the main sort of like overarching theme is that like they're enjoying things where it feels like you're part of a conversation. So, loads of people I talk to are getting into like reality TV because it just feels like mm-hmm. you're hanging out with a bunch of people. So it feels like this yeah. is just like you're like you're hearing people have conversations, and it's like oh, company. <laughs> this is nice. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think yeah. That, like for me, I so I I, I rewatch the show every year, mm-hmm. um, and it's you know. It, I don't, usually it's during a time when it's like things aren't going well I guess I'll hang out with my smart <laughs> friends and my 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 wife hates this show like it really hates it hates it hates it for all the reasons why you should hate it but hates the show it's like whenever yeah. I start my my yearly rewatch it's like a, a cloaca just sort of like closes over her brain and she just sort of like <laughs> 
is glassy-eyed for like a month while I'm watching the show. And the thing is, is like it that's a compromise because it used to be when I would watch a show, she would every three seconds and be like, she would have something shitty to say about the show, and I'm mm. like, leave, leave my twenty-year-old show alone. And I think like th- so this past year, I think I started rewatching the show in like September because I think that was when around when the election was like a lot of things were happening mm-hmm. the pandemic was re-spiraling out of control even though it had never really been in control um the presidential election was spiraling out of control um also was it never was, in control <laughs> never whilst never being in control i'm talking about you know this is very delusion of control there was never any control there yeah uh, and i think that during that time it was like you know what I just, I want to watch a fantasy show about a bunch of vampires who run the U.S. government. And it was like, I don't, I I know that it's not real, and I know it's not like a real representation of what government is. And to be honest, it's also like not necessarily a good representation of what government should be, because like it is a very centrist show. Um, Like, you know, they, they it very much is a show where people are, there's like one plot line where, Somebody one one of the senior staff has like a conversation with a guy in a bar about like and the guy's just like I just took my daughter on a college tour and like she's so excited to go to college but like I don't know how I'm gonna pay for it you know and, and this is literally what it said in the episode it's like so ridiculous he's like I like I like that paying for college is hard you know it's a hard job it's a man's job I just wish it was like a little bit easier just like such. Wow. <laughs> such, such, yeah, no, it's such new liberal nonsense. But like, it's just, and they, they get they very get rose-tinted of- glasses about having to pay for things as well. Yes, like, I enjoy like, having to pay. <laughs> I just wish it was like a little easier. And so they, they so the characters like get like very mm. latched onto this idea that it's like you're right, college should be hard to pay for, but let's make it a little bit easier. And in this way, we'll be heroes. And like, it's. So it's like full of like nonsense things like that where it's like this is not aged well, but it's it's also full of characters who even if they're wrong and they are wrong often mean well and fight hard. It is a very like soothing like white neoliberal fantasy from the 90s, mm-hmm. but it's definitely better than what we're currently in. <laughs> because i this is the thing when when you mentioned that you wanted to talk about the west wing i was like Mm -hmm. i get it it's obviously like a show that loads people go and rewatch. but i was like very interesting to like be comforted by the west wing when you're in such a fraught political like situation generally but Uh i get it like it is sort of there's something quite nice about escaping into fantasy that isn't like an entirely different world that is just like sort of a world you'd want to be in but like you said like isn't really but it's just different enough to be like an escape the west wing is very much like a a white neoliberal fantasy but it it is also in a lot of ways a reality check (laughs) it's like it's Mm -hmm. a really helpful it's a helpful way to kind of re uh you know (laughs) Make sure that I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm aware of like, I'm, I don't know if I'm saying this right. It's like that you're not getting like lost in the source of it. Like you can like look at it critically yeah. and be like, I don't feel this way, and that's a good thing. That like I yes, don't yeah, necessarily yeah. agree with this. 
Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, yeah, like, it's, it is a show I make fun of. T- I mean, it's it's a show I make fun of, too, because, like, it has, like, a lot of moments like that. I feel the same because I always go back to the OC. The OC is, like, my, my comfort show as well. And every time I watch it, I'm like, this is pretty bad, actually. And, like, there's, like, this character that I love, Seth is actually like yeah. a bad dude like he kind of sucks <laughs> <laughs> and he but at the same time i find his character comforting to me so that's where I we know. are <laughs> I mean, like, it's like to clarify like, it's like it's like i do care like it does it does like it does bother me but it's like yeah i think these are people these are people that i you know then there's like some daddy issues in here too i guess like because like it's, these are people these are people that i feel comforted by Mm-hmm. And they're they're people who are approved by a person who I think is never going to approve of me. So it's like it's sort of it's sort you know it's it's like you know where you know that the 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 experiment with like the monkey where like there's a they're, they're like like they they gave the monkey like a like a like a rough like stuffed mommy and they gave the monkey like a like a soft stuffed mommy and like neither of them is like a real monkey but like the monkey prefers like the soft stuffed mommy. Yeah. Um, I think the West Wing is my soft stuff mommy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's not, it's not like a real parent, but like, it is a soft stuff mommy and I am cold and alone. So I guess it's what I will take. (laughs) So you say that you go back to it every year. Did you have any different sort of reaction or reliance on it this year where, because this year changed a lot of things in a big way for everyone. And I, I definitely feel like my relation to the things that I was a fan of really changed in the last year and actually kind of gave me a few like existential crises. Um, yes. So did it change for you? Or even if there's anything else that you're a fan of as well, like your reliance yeah. on it all. I yeah. mean, well, okay, I have two answers to this. I think like, I think, yes. I think that every year I, when I rewatch The West Wing, I, there's another episode that I get pissed off about. <laughs> and I think it's like, it's like I, I, I need the I need the show more every year and I get madder at it every year. But like I don't want to tell my wife I'm more mad at it because it's like I'm not validating that. <laughs> like it's like I You will not win. <laughs> you will not win. I realize that you know the show is, is stupid, but and so it's like I think that, you know, th- this year in particular it was like, oh god, I'm picking up on like I- I'm just I'm picking up on more stuff each time I rewatch it. And I think that we might get to a point where when I watch it, I'm just like, okay, hanging out with my delightful friends is, is not going to be as fun as anymore as it used to be. And I think that, like, you know, I, I'm sort of savoring each rewatch until, like, I really reach that point where it's like, oh, man. Like, there's a there's an ep- there's a, a plot point towards the end where, like, there's a new guy running for – there's a new guy running for president. It's Jimmy Smith, and he's, uh, he's like, going to be, like, the first Latino president. And, like, we find out that, like, he's, like, he's, like, not pro-choice. And it's, like, and he, and it's, like, it's, it's, like, oh, wow, you're right. It's possible to be both liberal and not pro-choice. And it's, like, they're just, just, I'm just, like, oh, my God, this is, like, no, it's not. Shut up. Go away. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I think that that's, you know, I, I think that. It's 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 almost like nice to get angry at it though because it's like a safe thing to get angry at. It's like yeah. these people aren't real and I can be mad at them and it, it doesn't really have any sort of consequence. I said this last year about Emily in Paris. Do you know the show on Netflix that everyone yes. was mad at? Because I work uh, yes. in social media and like 
everyone everyone I know who works in social media was like so furious at this show but it was so fun to be mad at it because it had zero stakes it was so yes. fun to be mad at something that like it was so fun to like not be mad at our government or like not be mad at people being irresponsible it was like let's be mad at this show that like knows it's stupid <laughs> in a way you know what and that it was really cathartic it. actually it was so cathartic just to like yell <laughs> Yes. Also, like, yeah, exactly, exactly. I think that is a lot of it now. It's like, it used to be something where it's like, I just like hanging out with my fun friends. And now it's kind of like, I do like hanging out with my fun friends. The actors are incredible. They're incredible performances. Yeah. And sometimes I get to yell at my friends for being big, dumb, dumb bats. And, you know, it, <laughs> it feels it feels pretty low stakes. You asked me other things that I'm really into. And I, I, I kind of just need to give a shout out to, like, Ted Lasso. <laughs> Oh my god, everyone has talked so much about Ted Lasso and I haven't seen it yet, but I'm Ted like... Ted Lasso, I know, okay. it's so good. So I lived in Richmond for two years. Okay, uh, yeah. And it's about, it's, it's so the show, as you probably know, it's about like the fictional Richmond uh, uh, AFC. Uh, or, I don't know, is it AFC? I don't even know. You are asking the wrong person. <laughs> I don't know anything about sports. <laughs> That's fair. So uh, it's, it's, about, it's about like a fictional Richmond football club and they film a lot of it in Richmond. And so it was like, like oh, it's, it's where I used to live. Like I used to, I used to sled down the school. Oh, I love place. when you, I love when you see places that you know on screen. Yeah. Like it's just like, I don't know why it's still so exciting. Like I get it in London. It I also get it in uh, where I'm from in Wales in Cardiff. They film loads of stuff so that they filmed like all of Sherlock and like oh, Doctor Who wow. and stuff is all filmed in Cardiff. It's meant to be London. And I'm like, ha, uh -huh. ha I know, <laughs> I know where this is. And it feels like so, I don't know why it just gets really excited. They do that too here. Actually, they film things in LA and they pretend it's New York all the time. Even oh though, yeah. Like, LA, yeah. Even though LA and New York look very different and it's like, it's very, yeah. They, they also did that in the office where they're just like, <laughs> They're very obviously filming in Burbank, and they're like the po they're they're like pointing to like the like the the Sierra Nevada or I don't even know what mountains they are. They're pointing there and being like the Poconos, and it's like no, they're not the fucking Poconos here. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. But it, I've heard that Ted Lasso uh, is also just really yes. like comforting. Like it's like a nice. Yeah. It's just like some people were like, oh, I thought it was going to be a little bit too nice, but actually it's like the perfect level of nice. Is that correct? Or am I talking yes. about my ass? Okay. No, no. You're first of all, Ted Lasso. He, the character is so good because it's like, he's just a guy who like, he's a he's a he's not like a perfect person, but he tries a hundred and fifty percent of the time. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and he try and not just like he tries for his own benefit. He tries because he genuinely cares about people. And, like, it's sort of, like, he just has, like, a significant amount of empathy for every single person he encounters. And it's, like, and, and you can tell that, like, the effort that it takes for this character to be that way is difficult enough where it causes his problems in other parts of his life. Mm, okay. um, but yeah. it's something that he values so much that he's still willing to do. Um, and, yeah, it's, like, it's... If you told me like, oh, you're, I'm gonna write a character and like the character basically their whole deal is that they're just like pessimistic, they're, they're optimistic about everything. Like they're just, they, they, they don't, they just kind of let snarkiness right off their backs. They're just, they're funny, they're affable, they just like everyone, they care about everyone. And like that kind of feels like very like Mary Sue to me, mm -hmm. uh, which, which is in itself a sexist term and I shouldn't use it, but uh, it is very like idealized, like, oh, this is the best character ever. Um, and 
I think that what's fascinating about Ted Lasso is that Ted Lasso, his life is like falling apart in the background. Like even though like mm-hmm. he's like a positive person and it's not through any fault of his, it's just that his life is falling apart and he can't do anything about it. And so you can kind of see that in some ways Ted Lasso is this, first of all, do people know, I should say what Ted Lasso is about. Ted Lasso is about <laughs> an American, it's a, Ted Lasso is about an American college, American football coach who uh, is hired by uh, a woman who owns a, uh, a, f- a premier football club in, um, in London to be the coach, even though he has never coached uh, football, like, I shouldn't say British football. They football. are different like, sports. Yeah. They yeah. Are, football they, and football. <laughs> not the same sport. Yeah. And so the idea is that she hires him because she wants uh, the club to fail because the club was previously owned by her and her husband. Her husband cheated on her and uh, she wants him to suffer. And the club is the thing that he loved more than anything. So the idea is that she will hire Ted Lasso, like this, like this guy who coaches like a division two college football team and make him the coach of this like football football team and it will be a disaster and of course it's not because the idea is that ted lasso even though he doesn't understand the game he's coaching he understands coaching and so Mm -hmm. and so like he his skills as a coach enable kind of the natural gifts of the team to that transferable yes yes and even if you don't like sports (laughs) <laughs> i feel like if i no, but actually i've always said for some reason i don't understand sports i don't follow sports but like sports movies and sports shows like get me going so much because i think there's like so much adrenaline in them and like really big highs really big lows uh mm-hmm. i don't know why they just always get me <laughs> like right it in is, the heart it's good it's a delight like it just everyone on that show is trying everyone on that show is hurting and everyone on that show is trying their best. And everyone it's, on that show, yeah. It's kind of aspirational for like the current climate we're living in for like how you want everyone else to be, but also kind of how you want you to be. Like we're all struggling, yeah. but we're all trying, like we all want to be trying to yes. be the best we can. It's uh-huh. harder than it seems, but like it's kind of aspirational. It feels like it hits home this year, maybe more so than any other years. Yeah, it's true. And I think that, like, it's in a, in a world, in a world <laughs> where, where people are total assholes, uh, it's, it's nice to see a group of people who, like, yeah, they make bad choices. And, yeah, sometimes they're mean, but they want to be good and they can't help but be good when the opportunity presents itself. And there's something about it that's just... It's just like a warm hug. I, I'm going to re- go rewatch it right now. It's, like, <laughs> it's, it's a warm, it's just good. It just makes you feel yeah. good. Yeah. Please go, please go watch Ted Lasso. If it's, uh, it is a bomb. So final question, which actually is a hard one yes. for this topic that we've been talking about. Yeah. Is there anything that you've talked about in the last like hour or so? If you could force someone to sit and watch, what would it be to sort of like get them on your wavelength? The West Wing is a very serialized show. So like, I think it's, it's really tough to just kind of drop in and be like here mm-hmm. you are. Although I do think you can you can you can maybe like drop in like almost through the at the end of like the first season you probably can. But I think the episode that like you're either in or you're not is the season 2 finale to Cathedrals. Um which is basically it's the episode where uh I'm giving you spoilers for a 20-year-old show, sorry. Uh but it's the it's the episode where um Jed Bartlett's longtime secretary, 
in the episode prior, his longtime secretary has died in a car accident. And uh, it looked very unexpectedly. And um, so this episode is about Jed Bartlett kind of, it's, a, it's basically an episode about he's deciding whether or not he wants to run for re-election. Um, and he's kind of, it, it's, he kind of doesn't feel like he should. And then kind of like, he sort of realizes that like this woman who's mattered so much to him would, would want him to. Um, yeah. In terms of like his kind of, I'm not doing justice to it, but it's <laughs> it's uh, I, I'm not I'm not I'm not describing it very well. It has like a it has like a scene, a very very famous scene where like Martin Sheen uh, um, is in a church by himself and he's like screaming Latin at at God and like it's, that sounds stupid, but like actually, I've like, seen good. that. <laughs> yes, yeah, this yes. Is, I know it's uh and uh he like he's smoking a cigarette and he like puts it out in like in, like the middle of the wherever the oh. church the church aisle i guess it's like a whole yeah it's, it's very dramatic um, <laughs> but um it has like it, it like and then it, it's because like this the the episode answers the question that like yes he will run for re-election but he doesn't mm-hmm. explicitly say it in the episode we just know that he's gonna do it based on his body language but because like in the first act like we kind of see that like this longtime secretary like really understands his body language and like uh and I'm, I'm giving you spoilers for this episode of television you should watch but it's it's one of my favorite episodes of television ever it's a fantastic Chef's episode of television kiss. <laughs> it is very sh- I know it's very sh- I hope I've done justice to it which um, nothing bad's gonna happen to me if I didn't but that's my thing that's the one you yeah great that's my thing thank you so much for chatting to me this has been so much of fun course. just on a personal so level it's fun to get to talk to you in person uh, oh, I'm so glad. taking it IRL instead of online <laughs> and I actually oh, so I glad. said this I DM'd you and said that I'd watched all of your videos during lockdown as like company like that was the big thing because oh, I, because I have seen so many of your videos before, I just had them on in the background because I'm not in an office at the moment. So I was like, I'm really missing yeah. having like chatter going on. So I watched a lot mm-hmm. of your videos just as like company in the background. So this is a joy. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> I appreciate that. That makes me feel good. Oh, um, so where where can people find you if they want to hear more from you? Well, uh, so uh, I have a channel called The Kitchen and Jordan Show, which I um, am in with my friend Jen Ruggirello, and we were uh, in a show on BuzzFeed called Ladylike Together. Um, my Instagram is it's Kristen Cherico because someone took Kristen Cherico, so <laughs> I had to add the it's at the end. Uh, and then on Twitter, I'm at Lola Coaster. It's a joke. It's lol, L-O-L, a coaster. Um, it's a joke from like 12 years ago, so it's definitely still funny. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's where you can, that's where you can find me on the internet. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank then- you. So that was Kristen Charago talking about her love of rewatching The West Wing, as well as some other notable life loves. Please check out her new channel, The Kitchen and John Show. It's very fun. If you like this podcast and what it's doing here in this huge ocean of podcasts, Please do subscribe, listen along, tell your pals, send carrier pigeons about it, etc, etc. You can also find me on Twitter at LucyJ underscore Ford. Please stay safe and keep loving things.